Welcome to the Word Encounter, episode 213, where we will begin things in chapter 12 of the book of John. Before we get started, let's let's open in prayer here. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for this day, Lord. Father, I ask that those who are uh, listening to this episode would have ears to hear, would have eyes to envision all the things it is that you are saying in this day and this hour for them to uh, contemplate and comprehend, understand, and to uh, execute in their lives, Father. Father, I ask that I would deliver your word in an unfiltered manner, not filtered by my own perspectives and opinions, but would be a pure word from, from the throne of God. Um, and uh, again, just be a totally uh, unfiltered word delivered pure as it was intended to be. With that, let's get started. Uh, it says the anointing at Bethany. We're in chapter 12, verse 1. And it says, Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, uh, the one Jesus had raised from the dead. Mary took a pound of perfume, pure and expensive nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped his feet with her hair. So the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Then one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was about to betray him, said, why wasn't this perfume sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? And so this sounds, this sounds very, very noble, right? This sounds very holy. And so this is Judas saying, you know, why wasn't this money that she's wasting, you know, the, the money uh, that, that was used to pay for this perfume, she's wasting it. You know, we can sell this and give it to the poor. You know, was Judas that concerned about the poor? No, he was not. He didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. <laughs> he was in charge of the money bag and was still part of and was still part of what was put in it. And so Judas is like, wait a minute, wait a minute. We're wasting this money. She's wasting this this perfume. We could sell this stuff and give it to the poor, and I could take a portion of it and keep it for myself. So, so that's where Judas is coming from. Verse 7, Jesus answered, Leave her alone. She has kept it for the day of my burial. For you always will have the poor, but you do not always have me. The decision to kill Lazarus. Then it says in verse 9, Then a large crowd of Jews learned he was there. They came not only because of Jesus, but also to see Lazarus, the one he had risen from the dead. Now, keep in mind, and so obviously there's no internet at this time. There's no telephones. There's no anything. There's just word of mouth. Okay, and so the word had gone out. People had heard about Lazarus being raised from the dead. And so they want to come see for themselves. They want to verify that this man was, in fact, dead and that Jesus has raised him. And so they're going to see Jesus and Lazarus. In verse 10, but the chief priests had decided to kill Lazarus also. They had gotten to a point mentally where they were so deprived that they were going to, they not only wanted to kill Jesus, but they wanted to kill the evidence. They wanted to kill Lazarus also. They wanted to just wipe them off the, off the face of the earth so that people wouldn't have uh, any recollection of who they are or who they were, and they would can put all of this stuff to bed and continue on with their lives and continue on living the way and living in the lifestyle that they had become accustomed to, which is what they were trying to protect. Verse 11, uh, but the chief priests had decided to kill Lazarus also because he was the reason many of the Jews were deserting them and believing in Jesus. See, so Jesus had raised him. The word had gone out. 
people heard about it, they were flocking to Jesus, and uh, the, the Pharisees did not like this. The triumphal return or the triumphal entry. Now, we covered this in Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11, in episode 187. And so uh, you could go find that episode and, 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 and get more details over uh, uh, Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. But there's some things here that weren't covered there. Let's drop down to verse 17. It says, Meanwhile, the crowd which had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to testify. And so as he was coming into Jerusalem on his donkey and uh, people were flocking to see who was coming into town, there were people in the crowd that were with him in the parade, if you will, that were testifying to the things that Jesus had done with regard to uh, raising Lazarus from the dead. So, of course, this is intriguing the people and whatnot. And of course, the Pharisees don't like it. In verse 18, this is also why the crowd met him, because they heard he had done this sign. Then the Pharisees said to one another, you see, you've accomplished, <laughs> you see, we've accomplished nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. And so they're, they're saying, look, this is getting out of hand. This is, this is too crazy. We've got all, he's coming into town and all these people are flocking to it. We're losing control. We're, we, we've got to do something. Jesus predicts his crucifixion. In verse 20, it says, Now some Greeks were among those who went up to worship at the festival. So some Greeks came in because, again, we got to remember that the word is preceding Jesus, right? He, people are hearing about this guy. So they're coming from different places to check him out. In verse 23, Jesus replied to them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains by itself. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. Again, he's, talk, he's talking in riddles. He's, he's ter- uh, telling a parable. See, truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains by itself. In other words, if a grain of wheat falls to the, to the ground and that's it, that's, that's insufficient. It has to die. If it falls to the ground and doesn't die, it remains by itself. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. Verse 25, the one who loves his life will lose it, and the one who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. And so Jesus is is drawing this parallel here that like the grain of salt, you know, the one who uh, hates his life to the point of allowing his life to expire he will actually keep his life for eternal life because it will produce much fruit. Uh, much fruit. Verse 26, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. Where I am, there my servant also will be. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. Not he should, or maybe probably he should, no, If anyone serves me, he must follow me. Not if anyone calls themselves by my name. Not if anyone calls themselves a Christ-like one. Not if anyone calls themselves a Christian. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. Where I am, there my servant also will be. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Again, it's not about whether one calls, labels themselves a Christian or whatever. See, that's irrelevant. The issue is, do you serve him? The word says, if you serve him, the Father will honor you. Verse 27, 
Now my soul is troubled. What should I say, Father? Save me from this hour? But that is why I came, uh, that is why I came this hour. Fa- Father, glorify your name. So Jesus is having this internal struggle, right? Because he's human. And he knows what's awaiting him as far as the pain and suffering is concerned. He says, now my soul is troubled. What should I say? Father, save me from this hour? So he said, my soul is troubled, but I can't. This is why I can't. This is why I came. I can't say, Father, save me from this hour, for this is my purpose. This is my mission. And then he makes a statement of declaration. Father, glorify your name. In other words, Jesus is saying, Father, allow to be done what must be done. Allow my death on this cross so that your name will be glorified. And then the word says, then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. So the Father God is saying, I have glorified my name before, but through your death, I will glorify it again. Verse 29, the crowd standing there heard it. They heard what? See, it says the the crowd standing there heard it and said it was thunder. Others said an angel has spoken to him. So obviously it seems that whatever was spoken was not discernible by the people, but they heard a noise. See, they heard this noise. It was God speaking, but they, they didn't discern that it was a godly voice. And so some said it was thunder. Others said it was an angel. Verse 30, Jesus responded, this voice came not for me, but for you. So Jesus is saying, look, I and the Father are one. We're tight, right? We know each other. I'm in him, he's in me. You know, so he doesn't need to speak to me in an audible voice like that. But that voice came for your benefit so that you would know that, you know, who I am. This, this, this was a sign, basically, uh, uh, verifying who I am. Verse 31, now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. This is basically speaking about the devil. It says the ruler of this world will be cast out. Go back. Verse 31. Now is the judgment of this world. In other words, now this time that I'm about to be crucified, this is the judgment of this world. Now, this time that I'm about to be crucified, the ruler of this world will be cast out. In other words, this event that's about to take place is going to be the catalyst for the ruler of the world to be cast out. Verse 32, as for me, if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. He's speaking lifted up from this earth in crucifixion. As for me, if I am lifted up from this earth, I will draw all people to myself. Through the process of him being lifted up through crucifixion, he will draw all people unto himself. He said this to indicate what kind of death he was about to die. Verse 34, then the crowd replied to him, we have heard from the law that the Messiah will remain forever. So how can you say the son of man must be lifted up? So we've heard uh, from the law, from the scriptures that the Messiah will last forever. So how can you say that you're going to be crucified? So they said, who is this son of man? And Jesus said, the light will be with you only a little longer. Walk while you have the light so that darkness doesn't overtake you. The one who walks in darkness doesn't know where he's going. While you have the light, believe in the light so that you may become children of the light. 
Jesus said this, then went away and hid from them. So Jesus was trying to warn them, look, while I'm here, because I'm not going to be here for much longer, but while I'm here, glean everything you can from me. <laughs> get as much light into you as you can get into you. Absorb as much of me as you can, because the time is coming where well, it will be darkness. And darkness is blind. Darkness doesn't know where it's going. Darkness can't find its way. It says, while you have the light, believe in the light so that you may become children of the light. Isaiah's prophecy is fulfilled in verse uh, uh, 37. It says, even though he had performed so many signs in their presence, they did not believe in him. So a lot of times people will say today, you know, that, that, that they, don't, um, they don't see God, they don't hear God and, and whatnot, and if they, they need some proof. The word says in, in, in so many different ways that even if you offer people proof, uh, what one may consider to be indisputable proof, they still won't believe. There's something on the other side pulling them in the other direction that won't allow them to believe, regardless of what type of evidence you put in front of their face. This isn't everybody, but this is a lot of people. They have no desire uh, to turn to the things of the Lord, regardless of what evidence gets put in front of them. Even though he had performed so many signs in their presence, they did not believe in him. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet who said, Lord, who has believed our message? And whom is the arm of the Lord been re and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? See, we don't know just by looking at a person's exterior whether or not they will be acceptable to the things of the Lord. Sometimes the people that are uh, publicly uh, most uh, opposed to the things of the Lord, those may be the ones who have the tenderest heart if they were to hear the word of the Lord in the way it is intended to be preached. See, we, we just don't know what's inside the per person, you know, what's the cliche, you can't judge a book by, by its cover. And that is so true. But we do it all the time. But we shouldn't. In verse 39, this is why they were unable to believe, because Isaiah also said, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts so that they would not see their eyes or understand, so that they would not see with their eyes or understand with their hearts and turn, and I would heal them. And so the prophecy is coming forth that says that he being God has blinded their eyes. He's blinded some people's eyes and hardened some people's hearts so that they would not see with their eyes or understand with their hearts. Else they would turn and he would heal them. But it seems as though for some people it's not in the cards for them to be able to see or hear and or else they would turn. And so maybe God has other plans for them, other purposes for them uh, that, that don't involve them being able to see or hear. I don't know. I don't know. But this is a prophecy that went forth, and it says that this prophecy is being fulfilled at the time of Jesus. In verse 41, Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory. He saw his glory and spoke out about him. So his being Jesus. He saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him. Verse 42, nevertheless, many did believe in him. Never, no, black, back up. Nevertheless, many did believe in him even among the rulers. 
But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him. And so many of the, of the uh, Pharisees and many of the rulers did believe in Jesus. But because of the Pharisees, because they were afraid of them, they were afraid of their, uh, their retribution, they did not confess him publicly. It says, uh, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him so that they would not be banned from the synagogue. For they love human praise more than praise from God. And so these people who believed in Jesus, they accepted that what he said was true. But because they loved human praise more than praise from God, because they loved the things of this earth more than the heavenly things from God, they did not confess him. They were more attached to earthly things than to the things of God, even though they believe. If that does not sound like many, many, many millions of people today, I don't know what does. We get attached to things of this earth and we're afraid of, 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 of people coming against us. You know, we're afraid of confessing our belief in the things of Christ for fear that people may mock us. You know, it's become very fashionable in the United States uh, in, in 2020, 2021 to come against people of faith. And people of faith are afraid of the, of the, of the um, retribution uh, from non-believers, and so they remain mum. They remain silent. See, they remain silent because they're afraid of the of the back blow from culture. A summary of Jesus's mission, verse forty-four. Jesus cried out, "The one who believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And the one who sees me sees him who sent me." I have come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me would not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and doesn't keep them, Jesus says, I do not judge him. So he's saying, you know, if you hear my words and you don't keep them, Jesus saying, I'm not going to judge you. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. However, verse 48, the one who rejects me and doesn't receive my sayings has this, um, has this as his judge. Jesus says, I don't judge you, but there's another judge. He says, the word I have spoken will judge him on the last day. So he says, the word that I have been speaking, that will judge you on the last day. I'm not going to judge you, but the word I have spoken on the last day will judge you. For I have not spoken on my own, but the Father himself who sent me has given me a command to say everything I have said. I know that his command is eternal life, so the things I speak, I speak as, uh, just as the Father has told me. So Jesus is saying, I've been totally and completely an obedient son. I've said nothing but what the Father has said to me. It is that word that's going to judge you in the last day should you decide not to keep it. Chapter 13, Jesus washes his disciples' feet. Before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. This is referring to his disciples. Having loved them, uh, having loved his own, in some translations, it says, you know, how much he loved them uh, and how much he kept them and taught them and whatnot. And he loved them to the end. 
Now when it was time for supper, the devil had already put into the heart of Judas to betray him. Jesus knew that the Father had given everything into his hand that he had come uh, that he had come from God and that he had and that he was going back to God. So he got up from supper, laid aside his outer clothing, took a towel and tied it around himself. Next, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples feet and to dry them with the towel tied around him. He came to Simon Peter, who asked him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I'm going to do, or excuse me, what I'm doing, you don't realize now, but afterwards you will understand. I think that goes for, that's an important word. Let me stop right. That's an important word. He said, what I'm going to do, you don't realize right now, but afterwards you will understand. There are many things that we go through right now. There are many words that we hear being preached or words that we read in the word that we don't necessarily get or understand right now. But Jesus is saying, but afterwards, after what? Afterwards, after whatever it is necessary that has to come. But afterwards, it says, you will understand. Says you don't get it right now, but just be patient. You will understand. Verse 8, Peter says, you will never wash my feet. Jesus replied, if I don't wash you, if I don't wash you, you have no part of me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. And so Peter is one who, who, who really reacts uh, immediately to a lot of things, and a lot of times his reactions are over the top. It says, Lord, not only my feet, but also wash my hands and my head, my whole, just wash anything, everything. Verse 10, one who has bathed, Jesus told him, doesn't need to wash anything except his feet. But if he is completely clean, you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. This is why he said, not all of you are clean. The meaning of foot washing. When Jesus had washed their feet and put on his outer clothing, he reclined again and said to them, do you know what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are speaking rightly, since that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should always that you always should do just as I have done for you. Truly, I tell you, a servant is not greater than his master and a messenger is not greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, if you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. So Jesus is saying, look, I have come to wash your feet. I've come to serve you. Therefore, follow my example. He says, Jesus, I am Jesus. I am the greatest amongst you, yet I am serving you. See, and so follow my example. Do for one another what you've seen me do for you. For if you do these things, or I should say, if you know these things and you do them, there's one thing to know something. There's another thing to actually act on it and do it. If you know these things, it says you are blessed if you do them. You are, it just doesn't say, if you know these things, you are blessed. It says, if you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Like many things in the Bible, they're conditional. A lot of times when we quote scripture and whatnot and, and regurgitate scripture, we leave out the qualification. We just talk about the blessing and we don't talk about what you have to do to be qualified to receive the blessing. In verse 18, 
It says, I'm not going to speak about all of you. I know those I have chosen, but the scripture must be fulfilled. The one who eats my bread has has raised his heel against me. I'm telling you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am he. Truly, I tell you, whoever receives anyone I send receives me. And the one who receives me receives him who sent me. He says, truly, I tell you, whoever receives anyone I send. So when people uh, receive you, if you're sent by Jesus and they've received you, then they've received Jesus and they've received the Father. Judas' betrayal predicted, uh, verse 21, then Jesus had said this, or when Jesus had said this, he was troubled in his spirit and testified, truly, I tell you, one of you will betray me. So he knew that Judas was going to betray him. He's known that since the beginning. But still, when that time is drawn near, it says that his, um, he was troubled in his spirit. It still He knew it, but it bothered him. The, the, the disciples started to look at one another, uncertain which one he was speaking about. One of his disciples, the one Jesus loved, uh, it's assumed that this is John, was reclining, uh, was reclining close beside Jesus. Simon Peter motioned to him to find out who it was he was talking about. So he leaned back against Jesus and asked him, Lord, who is it? Lord, who is it that's going to betray you? Jesus replied, he's the one I gave the piece of bread to after I have dipped it. When he had dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas. After Judas Judas ate the piece of bread, Satan entered him. So Jesus told him, uh, what you are doing, do quickly. None of those reclining at the table knew why he said this to him. Now, this has always kind of confounded me, right? Because Jesus has said, that the one I give the bread to after I dip it is the one that's going to betray him. And apparently this is what happened. And so people could see that this is what happened, but they're still like saying, okay, who is it? <laughs> you know? And so when they says, well, if you're going to do it, do it quick, quickly. If I had witnessed this, I would assume, I would assume that what uh, Jesus was telling Judas was, okay, if you're going to betray me, do it quickly. But they didn't know what it meant. Since Judas kept the money back, some thought that Jesus was telling him, buy what we need for the festival or that he should give some to the poor. The new command, verse 31. When he had left, Jesus said, now the son of man is glorified and God is glorified in him. So when Judas left, this is what Jesus was saying to the remaining disciples. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. Little children. And he's talking to his disciples, little children, I am with you uh, a little while longer. You will look for me. And just as I told the Jews, so now I tell you where I'm going, you cannot come. I give you a new command. Love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. So Jesus is saying, I'm giving you a new command to love one another just as I have loved you. And when others witness this, it says, by this, when others witness this, they will know that you, you are uh, my disciples based on um, how you example your or display your love for one another. See, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So by people witnessing the love between his disciples, they will know, oh, yeah, they will know that those guys are Jesus' disciple. In other words, love is the key element of the witness. It's the key element. 
And so if you have believers that aren't loving each other such that other people can see that they're loving each other, that they care about each other and whatnot, then they're not reflecting Jesus. And that's one of the things that the world has against the church. The church is often fighting and backbiting with each other. That's not a witness of Jesus. It says Peter's denial is predicted in verse 36. Lord, Simon Peter said to him, where are you going? Where am I going? You cannot follow me now, but you will follow later, says Jesus. <laughs> you can't follow me. I'm going in the, essentially, I'm going into death, Peter. You can't follow me now, but you will follow me later. Verse 37, Lord, Peter asked, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus replied, you will lay down your life for me? Truly, I tell you, a rooster will not crow until you have denied me three times. And so Jesus is telling Peter, oh, you, you think you know, you're not going to do this, man. You're going to deny me three times. But that's then the time will come where you, in fact, will lay down your life for me. But that's not the time. And with that, we are done for today. Uh, we will pick it up uh, in John chapter 14 tomorrow. Remember? The, invita the invitation is ongoing and everlasting until the day when the Lord drops the curtain and says it's over. <laughs> you still have the opportunity to turn to Jesus. You still have the opportunity to, conf to confess him. You can still believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And the word says that you shall be saved. With that, everybody stay blessed. Keep safe. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. And we'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.